0: Part Two, Chapter Sixteen of Recollections of the Revolution and the Empire. This is the LibriVox recording, or LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen, eighteen fourteen to eighteen fifteen, the First Restoration. At the time it was decided to hold the Congress of Vienna, I happened to be one morning in the cabinet of Monsieur de Talleyrand. My husband had gone to Brussels to be present at the coronation of the new King William I and to deliver his credentials he was to return in a day or two i was preparing to leave the cabinet of the minister of foreign affairs and had already placed my hand on the handle of the door to open it when looking at monsieur de talleyrand i saw upon his face that expression with which i was familiar when he wished to do someone a good turn in his line when is guverney coming back he said by tomorrow? i replied well said he hasten his return because he must set out for vienna for vienna i exclaimed and why you understand nothing he is going as minister to vienna while waiting for the congress to open when he will be one of the ambassadors i made another exclamation and he continued it is a secret do not speak of it to anyone and send your husband to me as soon as he arrives I waited impatiently, keeping the secret of the good news except from my son, Umbert. This nomination aroused a great deal of envious feeling towards my husband. Madame de Duras was wild. She would like to see Monsieur de Chateaubriand, obtain the post. Adrien de Laval was not even able to console himself with the promise of the embassy to Spain. Everyone cried out that it was an abuse, because my husband had also kept his place at the Hague. We decided in the family, though with great regret on my part, that Monsieur de la Torupin should leave alone for Vienna, and that I should remain at Paris to occupy myself with the marriage of Umbert. My husband wrote to Auguste, our son-in-law, who was desirous of entering the diplomatic career in his country, and invited him to come to Vienna either as his private secretary or simply as a looker-on since having become a subject of the low countries he was no longer french we thought that if monsieur de la Torupin remained at vienna after the congress we would have no difficulty in obtaining from the king of holland a position for as attache at the vienna legation these projects like many others were upset by events both public and private It was arranged that I should accompany my husband as far as Brussels. There he would be joined by his son-in-law, and I would take my daughter and her child back to Paris with me. This plan was carried out. Our trip to Brussels and back passed very agreeably, although I felt very sad and disappointed at not accompanying my husband to Vienna. There was no reason then to suppose that his absence would be prolonged, As it was in reality besides the assurance had been given me that two special couriers would set out every week from the foreign affairs which permitted me to hope that i would receive regularly news as fresh as possible from my husband on our return to paris we found news from our travelers i settled in my apartment and charlotte took possession of the rooms previously occupied by her father general dupont who was still very devoted to my interests arranged to have the cross of the legion of honour given to auguste as a reward for his excellent services as sous-préfait amiens at the moment of the restoration i sent it to him at vienna and it gave him great pleasure my poor charlotte had the misfortune at this time to lose her little girl who was carried off in the short space of two days the next day, M. Liedekerk arrived unexpectedly from Vienna, charged with dispatches. It was necessary for him to set out on his return the following day. The despair of Charlotte over the loss of her child suggested to me the thought of sending her to Vienna with her husband. As her father loved her tenderly, her presence there would be a great pleasure for him also. I possessed an excellent traveling calèche i took charge of the purchase and packing in all details of the elegant toilettes to be worn by my daughter at the fates of the coming congress besides i placed at her disposal my maid who was a very experienced person thanks to my usual activity the resolution once made the second day following my daughter was ready to set out she left for vienna with her husband who was carrying dispatches from monsieur de talleyrand who had not yet left paris i remained alone with cecile then fifteen years of age and my two sons humbert and aymar it may be interesting to state how i passed my time after this restoration of the monarchy i went to the tuileries when the king received the ladies about once or twice a week As a former dame de Palais of the Queen, I had the honours. That is to say, instead of mingling with the crowd of ladies who were assembled in the first salon, called Diane, while waiting for the king to be rolled into the throne room, for he was not able to walk, I took my place immediately, as well as the other women who enjoyed the same privilege, on the benches which were arranged around the throne room. There we found many gentlemen who had also the entrees and seated very comfortably we talked until the moment when the king was announced when we rose and took a more conventional and respectful attitude. Then we filed one by one before the royal armchair. The king always had something droll or kind to say to me. This same winter the Duc de Berry gave two balls to which he invited all the principal members of the Bonaparte party, the Duchesses de Rovigo, de Bassano, and so on. None of them danced, and all had a very disagreeable air, in spite of the advances and the attentions of the prince and his aides to camp. Madame de Durin and I took to one of these balls Albertine de stal After having obtained the consent of her mother, who in spite of her fifty years was always dressed herself like a tightrope dancer, we had been permitted to dress her to our taste. Everyone found her so changed and so improved that from that time on she abandoned her former costume of wearing English dresses. The Duc de Bois fell in love with her, and if I am not mistaken it was at one of these balls that he decided to demand her hand in marriage. Since I have named Madame de Stael, this is the moment to say that, shortly after my return to Paris after the Restoration, I had renewed my former acquaintance with her. I had already seen her nevertheless in 1800, when I arrived from England, a little before the time when Napoleon obliged her to leave Paris, and had also met her at different periods since then at the time of the 18 fructidor she had shown herself very revolutionary carried away by her intimate relations with benjamin constant her last transformation had been accomplished in england whence she returned a royalist she received at her house all the notable personages from all the countries of europe who were present in paris during the winter of eighteen fourteen and eighteen fifteen I happened to be in her cell on the evening of the day when the duke of wellington arrived in paris one hundred other persons equally curious to see this personage already well known were also there my relations with the duke went back to my childhood our ages were about the same and lady mornington his mother had been closely associated with my grandmother madame de Grotte young arthur Wellesley, his sister lady anne and i had passed many evenings together later i again met lady anne in england at hampton court when i went to see the old stadholder the prince d'orange i was received by the duke as an old friend in this salon where all eyes were fixed upon him but where he knew hardly anyone he was very glad to find someone to talk with him during the sojourn that the duke made at paris before going to the congress of vienna i met him almost every day i presented my son humbert to him and he showed him much kindness humbert spoke english perfectly as he had become familiar with this language both in america and in england he had also a good acquaintance with italian this winter, when Paris was full of strangers, he was frequently taken for either an Englishman or an Italian. On leaving Paris, the Duke of Wellington set out for the Congress, where Monsieur de Talleyrand was already present. One evening, during the first days of March, I was in the apartment of Madame de Duras at the Tuileries. There were many people there, including General de Lollois and his wife. Madame de Laulois appeared to fear something, and showed a great desire to leave, especially when Monsieur de Duras passed through the salon after the king had retired. She rose and left the room, taking her husband with her. I remained behind and waited for Madame de Duras to return from the room of her husband, where she had followed him. I saw that she was very much troubled, and she said to me, Something terrible has happened, but Amede is not willing to explain. I then returned home, accompanied by Umber, and we made all the conjectures possible, except the right one. The following morning, the news of the debarkation of Napoleon at the Gulf of Juan spread through Paris. The news was brought by Lord Lucan, Having left the evening before for Italy, at several stages from Paris, he met the courier who was coming from Lyon with the news. He immediately turned around and came back to Paris, where he spread the news. The results of this event belong to the domain of history. I will therefore only recount those which concern me personally. I was too well acquainted on the one hand with the court, And on the other with the strength of the napoleonic party to have for a moment any doubts regarding the efficacy of the measures which would be adopted monsieur de la Pin, although one of the four ambassadors of france at the congress of vienna and employed per interim in the diplomatic affairs of france in austria had nevertheless retained his post of french minister to holland i felt that i could not remain at paris when Napoleon was about to arrive there, and that I ought to go to Brussels or The Hague. My plans were submitted to the king by Monsieur de Jaucourt, Minister of Foreign Affairs per interim. He approved of my purpose, and I therefore prepared to leave. Humbert, as soon as the departure of the king was decided upon, was not able to leave the quarters of the musketeers. Consequently, I was obliged to complete alone all the arrangements for my trip, which I was about to undertake with my daughter Cecile, sixteen years of age, and my son Aymar, who was eight. In the evening, I went to the bureau of the Minister of Finance to obtain the amount of the salary due Monsieur de la Truppin, which I wished to take with me. The same evening, 19th of March, 1815, the King was to leave at midnight on entering the cabinet of the minister monsieur louis with whom i had been well acquainted for a long time i found him in a state of terrible rage showing me a hundred little barrels similar to those in which anchovies are sold he said look i have had these barrels prepared each of which contains ten thousand or fifteen thousand francs in gold i wish to confide one to each of the bodyguard ordered to accompany the king and these gentlemen refused to take charge of them, under the pretext that it was not part of their duty. While saying these words, he signed my voucher for the sum which I was to receive at once. I next took the money to my man of affairs, in order to have him change it into gold. I had strongly urged Monsieur Louis to let me have one of the barrels of gold in his cabinet, but he absolutely refused when i left my man of affairs which was after nine o'clock he told me to come back at eleven o'clock and that he would then give me the gold which he had procured i then went to see my aunt madame de who had also decided to leave to make my adieu i found her in company with monsieur de lally in a state of great trouble packing gesticulating urging her fat friend who was finishing nothing and seeing me she cried but are you not going to leave that you have such a tranquil air I left her in the midst of her packages to go and take leave of Monsieur de Jocor my minister to have him visé my passport and obtain an order for the post horses a very necessary thing for it would probably have been impossible to find a single one at midnight finally at exactly eleven o'clock I returned to my man of affairs, rue Saint Anne. He handed me twelve thousand francs in rolls of Napoleons. I had a cabriolet hired by the hour. Getting into the carriage, I said to the coachman, Home. I was living at six, rue de Varennes. We wished to take the route by the carousel, but on account of the departure of the king, no one was allowed to pass. My coachman then kept along the rue de Rivoli. At the moment we arrived at the Pont Louis XVI, now Pont de la Concorde, he heard the clock strike twelve. Stopping short, he declared that for nothing in the world would he go another step. His home, he said, was at Chaillot, and the gates would be closed at midnight. He demanded to be paid and invited me to continue my route on foot. I used in vain all of my eloquence and promised him a superb pourboire. If he would take me only to the point where we met another hack, he refused. I was obliged to descend from the carriage, although seized with a mortal terror. Fortunately, at this moment, I heard the noise of a carriage. It was a hack, and vacant, thank God. I entered and offered the coachman a generous gratification to take me home. As soon as I arrived, I sent in search of the post horses. In spite of my service extraordinaire, in spite of the signature of the minister, I waited until 6 o'clock in the morning for two miserable horses which were to be attached to a little caleche, in which I was to take my place with Emma, Cécile, and a little Belgian maid whom I had kept in my service. Our journey was not marked by any incident. We arrived safe and sound at Brussels, where i took a little lodging rue de l'amour with a lawyer named monsieur houard he has been since i think minister of leopold i king of the belgians i was very impatient to receive news from vienna the dispatch of the couriers who were usually sent to the foreign affairs and by whom my husband and my daughter charlotte wrote me had undoubtedly been interrupted although i had advised them both of my departure for brussels I had good reason to feel that I would be a long time without news. Which, indeed, was what happened. At Brussels, I found all the persons of my acquaintance, both Belgian and French. Everyone received me cordially, with the exception of the Bonapartists. The King of Holland, William I, was at Brussels. I went to see him, and he received me cordially. We were seated upon a sofa in the former cabinet of Monsieur de la Tour du Pin turning to me he said in the salon i try to find the inspiration to make myself loved like your husband alas the poor prince did not succeed i spoke to him urgently regarding the interests of my son-in-law who had now become his subject probably it was this conversation which opened to him the diplomatic career a little later my daughter charlotte arrived alone from vienna accompanied by her maid and the valet of her father she informed me that the congress had dissolved at the news of the landing of napoleon at cannes everyone had left in haste and the powers who were all ready to become enemies had become reconciled before the imminent danger they only thought now of making france pay dearly for the welcome given the hero who in making her so powerful and glorious, had raised up for her so many enemies. In the southern provinces, the Duke d'Angoulême had brought together a kind of party which might have become important under another chief. Someone was wanted to take to this prince the assurance of the union of the powers to overwhelm Napoleon. Monsieur Latorupein, with his usual zeal, accepted the mission of going to Marseille to join the Duke. He set out, accompanied by his son-in-law, who went as far as Genoa, whence he brought me at Brussels news from my husband. Young Liederkerk rejoined his wife in that city, and I was able to inform him on his arrival that I had assured his position with the King, his master. End of part two, chapter sixteen.